All right. Welcome to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. This time I'm doing the intro. Andrew, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Thanks for having me on the show, Dad, I guess. So go ahead and introduce us today. All right. Yeah. So we have uh, a special guest here today. This is Andrew Boschetto. He grew up in Watertown, uh, moved to Chelmsford, Massachusetts. I played two seasons at uh, Hobart and two years at Suffolk University. Went right into coaching. I'm just going to list uh, the places he coached. He started at Proctor University uh, and did some stints at Curry. And then Salve Regina, seven years in Niagara University, Colgate, August, is it, uh, I think it's Augustania, and then currently at my alma mater, UMass Lowell. So we're going to talk hockey. We're going to talk coaching. So please welcome to the show, Coach Andrew Buschetto. Coach, welcome. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on, and this is a first for me, so it's uh, it'll be exciting. Cool. All right, so growing up in Massachusetts gave you a great hockey environment. Talk real quick about how you fell in love with hockey at at a young age, or maybe you didn't. No, it's a great question, and as you get older, I think you look back and start to appreciate things a little bit more, and the little memories that you have as a kid, and I have three young kids of my own, so it's, and I lost, uh, I lost my dad a few years back. So you start to look at things in a different light. And um, for me, my love probably started around three or four. Um, my parents were divorced. I was fortunate enough where I had pretty much two dads. My mother remarried. And um, I remember skating on a pond in Waltham, Mass for the first time. And I just, the, the feeling of being outdoors in the wintertime and on the ice and, and skating, it was just something pretty special for me, um, you know, and, and then it kind of moved on. And I, I probably have three or four things that really kind of shaped hockey for me. Um, I didn't think I was going to play in the NHL or anything like that. It was more along the lines of, you know, uh, being the water boy for the Watertown high school team, you know, and going in between periods and, seeing the environment of a team when you're six or seven years old or eight years old. And um, the team aspect of hockey has always been the thing that's kind of pulled me, um, whether that's being a coach or a player. Um, and so those things have excited me. And then my, my parents kind of uh, allowed me to follow my dream and we would go and see the Bruins play in the old garden. Yeah. Um, the place used to shake when I was a kid and I remember one fond memory. I mean, I went to the Stanley Cup game when the lights went out at one o'clock in the morning versus the Oilers. I think I might have been eight years old. And, you know, I remember thinking it was so cool to be up till two in the morning because we had to wait for the game to start back up. Um, yeah. And Glenn Wesley missed the open net. I'll never forget that. If he hit yep. it, who knows where that series would have gone. But, you know, th those are the things that um, get you excited about the love of the game. And I try to figure out how I can do those things for my kids, whether it's hockey or soccer or whatever, or maybe piano. I don't know. But like, I felt like my parents did a good job of allowing me to fall in love with it a little bit and put me in those situations. You know, it's funny because uh, I grew up in Massachusetts as well. And I remember that overtime game that you just mentioned. And, and I remember being so superstitious. I had to go to the back. I, I had to pee like there was nobody's business. And I didn't do it through the whole overtime. I figured if I went to the bathroom, they would lose. Well, you know how the game ended. So uh, 
there goes that superstition. Yeah. But that's how yeah. crazy I was as a fan. Yeah, but all right, crazy. Andrew, you got the next question. Yeah, so you played two seasons at Hobart and the two at Suffolk. Um, you're about a game or a point per game player at the time. So kind of talk to us about your style of play back then, and then of course those two years each at both the schools. Yeah, it was it was a unique situation. Um, I love my time at Hobart and playing for Coach Taylor. He's still a big mentor of mine. I call him all the time for advice, um, especially when I was early on in my career and even later. Like he's probably one one of the best coaches in college hockey that's not talked about enough. And I think he was finally rewarded last year when they won a national championship and he got coach of the year. And, you know, I got goosebumps for him because I thought he deserved it. And he was a really good man for me when I needed it. My, um, you know, my, my dad had gotten sick with MS. And so that was a part of it. And there was a lot going on. So we, I decided that I felt like it was better to be moved closer to home. And I, you know, I went back to Suffolk and it was, um, it was a great experience there as well. You know, but I also worked more to pay for school there. So I was working at the bar at the Purple Shamrock in downtown Boston and then going to school and then going to, to practice and just learning how to balance everything. Um, you know, so it, the experience I would never change. Um, and my hockey style, I mean, I was just a competitive kid. I was undersized and, you know, my skill was average. Uh, um, but I knew I had to compete because I was small than everybody and, I was in the time period where my first two years, it was still a clutch and grab game. And then it turned to, you couldn't open ice, hit a kid in your junior senior year. So, you know, you could probably tell my penalty minutes were a lot better than my points. Yeah. <laughs> um, and part of it was, I think, because, because of the game change. Um, and that, that was a lot to get used to, but my, I wouldn't change anything. I did two years at each and it was both great for different reasons, but. So what made you, um, what was the turning yeah. point of getting into coaching right away? And from former guests, um, usually it's like, I didn't mean to do it. I just kind of fell into it because somebody said, hey, I think you'd be good. Why don't you be my assistant? But how did you get into coaching? Yeah, it's, it's. Um, I, I, I was fortunate I had really good coaches in high school, prep school and college and you know, I had obviously a lot going on in my life during those time periods, and they they mentored me and they they helped me through those times. Um, and I and I I felt like I wanted to do that for somebody else. Um, and I loved talking. And I went into doing financials for a bit right out of college, and I just felt like it wasn't um, it didn't fi- it didn't give me any fire in the belly. Yeah. And so I called Mike, Mike Walsh, who I played for at Tilton school for a year. And I went up and worked for him. At Academy for a year and lived in the woods and uh, started coaching. And that kind of is how it got going, so to be honest. You're at UMass Lowell now, but you've had a lot of coaching experience. So I guess my overall question is, what were some experiences that happened to you early on that made you make some changes to the coach you are today? Yeah, I think uh, oh, it's a great question. Um, I was very lucky. I was in the right place at the right time. Um you know, I got six siblings, so you learn a lot from being with six siblings. But 
the thing that changed me the most was I was a head coach at Salve Regina at Division Three at 27 years old. I was young. My players were close in age to me, and they hadn't won a game in two years. And basically, I had to go in and making ten grand a year, which is nothing, as a full time gig. Had to figure out as you failed, basically fall on your face and figure it out quickly. So I was fortunate where I was in an environment where I could make decisions, succeed or fail, and, and correct them. And I think the biggest thing that I learned quickly was one of our best players on a team that hadn't had a lot of success showed up late to a meeting. And I remember sitting there as a young coach being like, if we got any chance, this kid's got to play. And he played. We still got blown out. <laughs> and I remember after the game being like, never again. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Long-term versus short for them is best for our team. And I've lived by that ever since. Um, and I've sat some of our best players. Like the year we won the uh, the conference championship at Salve, it was the first time in school history ever, and it still was the only one. I remember sitting players like four games before playoffs, and then they need those things to reset. Uh and your other players that maybe are playing in a limited role, they they will look at you and be like, you know what? Coach isn't afraid to hold everybody accountable, including myself, but he's he's willing to hold the best guys accountable talent-wise. And that's how you create trust. That's how you create a family feel and knowing that we're in it for the right reasons as a team versus the individual. And and that's one of the big changes so, for me. Was you know, one of the early things on. we like to do on the show too um, is really give like uh, – a behind the scenes look of like what it's like, especially where we've got scouts on coaches of any kind and everything. Um, and just the life of working towards being an NHL coach, an AHL coach, you had mentioned you only made $10,000 full time that first year. So when you're starting off coaching and you get a gig or something like that, how, how do you live and be an adult? What if you got kids or something? Is this something that's, that's possible? I mean, how does that, how's that go? I didn't have kids at the time over 10 months. So I got a thousand bucks a month, half went to oh, rent, shit. scrape and cr scrape and crawled and had some support from family that helped a little bit, you know, and uh, it wasn't like they were dropping thousand dollar bills on my table, but they were helping. And uh, and then I worked in the summers working camps. So I probably made another 10 grand off of camps in the summers, but you know, hockey early on, it's hard. Like if I always tell everybody that wants to get in the first five years, you're not going to make much. Um, you know, and I made 10 grand for four years and we had been to the conference finals in year three. Wow. So, uh, you know, 30 K bump, but still wasn't like I was yeah. hitting home runs. Right. Yeah. So you're now at UMass Lowell. Um, so you're at probably, I guess, the most competitive uh, school that you've been coaching at. How's things going there? And what is it like working with uh, Norm Basel? I mean, it's been great. Um, resources, facilities, uh, the, the community support. I mean, we've had sold out crowds at every game. 
Um, you know, and, and to be honest, for me personally, it's pretty surreal when all my family's showing up to games and maybe that that'll wear off, but but um, coach base in, I mean, I can't speak enough about him, his leadership ability to to get guys on the same page and like his one of his things that I shouldn't say surprised me, but ability to empower others and have a, a positive outlook on every situation while still holding guys accountable is as good as anyone I've seen. Um, so I've, I've enjoyed learning from him in my short time. So as a coaching staff, what are your major goals for this season? You know, obviously with everything that went on last season, what, what are the major changes you guys need to make this season personally? Um, myself, Eric Sorensen came over from Holy Cross. Uh, Dylan Zink uh, was on staff more in an operations role, but was an All-American defenseman at Lowell. So we're we're really learning each other right now, um, which is a really cool part to be involved with because you're learning each other's strengths and, and figuring out how we can kind of be more efficient. But the, I mean, the goal is the same as it's always been for Coach Bay's in, and that's to be there at the end of the year and win championships. And, you know, we know those goals. The guys talked about them last week. You know, they're the ones that come up with the goals each year and then they put them on the shelf and we got to focus on day by day and getting better. And we just talk about getting 1% better each day and, focusing on our habits, because if we can do the little things, take care of our bodies, take care of our nutrition at the end of the year, it's about it being an oiled machine. And, and that's what we're working towards. And every year you got to restart. Um, and coach Bazin, we're learning from as a staff too, because he's been there more consistently than anybody else in hockey East and has probably one of the best winning cultures over the last decade in college hockey. So that's that's the big piece is just the day by day. So stuff. we're going to talk about recruiting. But the question I want to ask just for our, our listeners, what are some things about an associate coach that the average fan may not know about? So we're going to talk recruiting here, but give us give us the um, I guess the uh, the crap duties here. Yeah, because uh, we've talked to a few coaches and it varies on where you're at of the different duties you have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's a right answer for this one. I mean, it, it's probably more administration driven with the tag, um, like a behind the scenes paperwork type stuff. And, um, you know, I've been in other places where some people are associate heads and, you know, my, my goal personally, individually with this is to, it's just a name, you know, like I want to be an assistant just like the other guys, because I don't want it to be a, a tiered system. I want everybody to have a voice. And, and that's what working with Dylan and with Eric and with coach Bay's in, but let's say Eric and Dylan right now has been awesome because we all have different strengths and we all have a voice and we're not afraid to share. And that's the one thing that I think the role that I'm in, I want to make sure that everybody can share what they're thinking and it's not going to be judged. We're not looking for my answer, Eric's answer or Dylan's it's what's the right answer for Lowell. And that's, that's the piece that for me as an associate head per se um, is where I want to bring the value and make sure that we have a family within the family. Um, 
because leaders got to, we got to be the leaders. And I always, my belief, whether I've been at Niagara, Salve, Colgate is if things are going well with the program, usually we're in a good place. If things are off a little bit, you know, where are we at as, as uh, individuals? And so we got to grow if we're expecting our players to. And so it's kind of a whirl around a circle answer there. Uh, but that's, that's where I probably would put it. So what is the best part about coaching to you? I know it's a generic answer, but what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Like what, what do you, excuse me, what do you really enjoy from it? I mean, my favorite part personally is, uh, you know, you work with the players individually or in small groups or in video sessions, and you try to help them um, grow in their game or help them, in, you know, just with seeing things from a different light and improve it. And there's nothing more rewarding than working on those things in practice, whether it's a one-timer shot off the pass or, you know, bounce the pucks on the ice and guys just being able to enough or the wall work. And then in a game that play happens, they make the play and they come back to the bench and then they just fist bump you. And it's just nothing said. It's just, you you know, that the time that you put in paid off. And for me, that's, that's probably the most valuable part of coaching because at some point their career is going to end. And hopefully they take a piece of that where they know, when they go to their job or their parents, hey, when I put a little time in here and they reap the reward, I know why. Um, because as a coach, I don't think I would ever want to coach in the NHL, to be honest. I love college because you're developing right. people and continue. I should say you're continuing to develop people based on what their parents have done. Um, and you're just trying to help them to get ready for life. Right. Um, now, we're lucky where we get to win hockey games and play in front of 6,000 fans. Right. Um, but that that's probably the love of it. Awesome. So what is your approach to recruiting? And for our listeners that might not know, you know, you're in the uh, the the hockey East. So, you know, BU, BC, uh, uh, University of Maine, UMass Lowell. Uh, I don't know if Merrimack's still in there. Definitely UNH. Yeah. A lot of competition. So how at UMass Lowell – how do you guys go about recruiting and uh, getting the players that you get? I mean, the first thing is, is we got to outwork everybody. I mean, uh, for me, I, I don't think you can ever substitute work. Um, people will try to, and I think it catches up with them. You know, the one thing for me, wherever I've been, um, and going to places like Lowell, they have the same cultural belief. It's about the people at the end of the day. So my, and I joke, I joke about this, but I'm not, I'm like kind of half joking. My wife can go into the rink. She knows enough about hockey and she can pick out the best right. hockey players. Right. Like, Hey, that kid's pretty good. Yeah, I know. He's going to, uh, he's drafted by Philly in the fourth <laughs> round. Yeah. Awesome. It's like, it's pretty obvious. So, um, for me though, it's the people like being able to dig under the rock and find out about people and their family and their upbringing and, you know, what other sports they played or what adversity they've been through or what's their summer job or like the, when you start to find out about people and there may be a 7.5 out of 10 versus the first rounder, that's a 9.5, those 
in my experience, can get to an 8.5 or a 9 because of their work and their willingness to grow and having a growth mindset. Um, and I mean, that's kind of it in a nutshell, but the relationship side of things, there's got to be a trust, especially in the recruiting world of college hockey today. You know, you look at some of the recruiting lists, people got 30 names on it, 40 names on it. Like Lowell has the lowest amount of names on their recruiting board. Why? Because we're going to make sure we know the people and then we're going to go get them. want to be a part of Lowell and the way we do things just we don't need everybody we want the right people I guess is what it comes back to and that's the way I was brought up that's the way I live and you know everywhere that I've been in college hockey we've had success maybe we don't have the top tier first rounder you know that we've gone against at BC or BU the last weekend but we get the people that want to go to battle and they take pride in beating those guys and that to me is Lowell yeah so obviously within lieu of what we're talking about here goes into um, the culture that you bring to your team. And obviously, you know, being from Boston, everything we've seen what the Boston Bruins have done. Um, and Lucic was talking about it on the broadcast yesterday when Jack Edwards asked him this question, talking about 2007 when Char and all these guys are coming in. It takes a long time and it takes not just the players, it takes the coaches, everybody obviously that works or that is involved with the team. In your opinion, how does a coach begin to create that culture? And especially, I guess, in college, too, um, with what you're doing, sometimes we know turnover rates can be pretty crazy. How can you be able to sit there and work with new guys that are coming all the time and continue to build that culture that has been built wherever you're at? Yeah, you know what? It's uh, This is a personal opinion. Um, and based on where I've been and some of the successes that – we've had as a staff and as a programs, the teams that have had the most success are the ones that have spent time together, built trust with each other. And to be honest, this is kind of a word that probably people are like, Oh yeah, here we go. But um, you know, have been vulnerable together, shared yeah. things that are going on in each other's lives. Like, you know, Hey, so-and-so's dad, you know, so-and-so's family's going through a divorce. Like, okay, that's why he's, if you don't ask those questions and you don't talk about each other's life, what's going on outside the rink, you just show up to the rink and you go to play hockey. But when you know those things, it's amazing what the level of commitment to each other on the ice goes to, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, and I have six siblings. Like we all have things that are going on in our lives. Every single player in that room, you know, that might be significant to them. It might be different than what we're going through and the care for each other, to be honest. And that's what allows the the willingness to go to battle, per se, with each other and win games that are hard. Because when it gets hard is when you figure out who each other are. Yeah. Not when it's easy. And you're going to hit adversity in every every season yeah well coach we thank can't thank you enough for coming on here today oh. we'll say goodbye off air uh, but officially we wish you well we're going to certainly follow uh umass this year as i always do being you know my yeah. old university uh but we wish you uh all the best and uh give our best to uh, uh the coach and the players yeah thank you man
Yep. Yeah, we'll do. Appreciate you guys having me on. Okay. So, um, yeah, Coach Andrew did have a little uh, uh, spotty internet, but I think everything came through and listeners could get what he was saying. There might have been a little delays or a little, right, a little, um, you know, slow uh, internet there. Yeah. Great guy. Yeah. So, again, I went to UMass Lowell, great hockey team. Um, again, doesn't have the prestige of a BUBC, but UMass Lowell has always been a hard competitor. Yeah. And uh, the fan base there is great. Um, I used to play sometimes in the pep band. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, I wasn't certainly on playing college right. ice hockey, but uh, used to play in the pep band at the old Songus Arena, which I still think oh. they they play in. And uh, it's a great team. It's a great area. Uh, you know the area too, Andrew. Yep. Yeah, very well. So uh, we wish uh, Coach the best. We're going to be uh, talking to another coach here next week as well, another university coach, this time a head coach. Yep. So please check us out. We thank you very much. We're also going to have on uh, Dave Capuano, uh, talk Bruins hockey here soon as well. So stay tuned. We're still working on uh, getting over in the EIHL, back over across the pond with the uh, Elite League in, in England. Yep. So uh, stay tuned. Yes, stay tuned. Thank you.